Hey gang, it's Swix. So I've been traveling the past few weeks and it's been super hard to keep up the podcasting while traveling because partially uh, I've just been busy, partially I have been living in hostels where you don't necessarily get the privacy for podcasting, but all of it's just excuses. I do want to get back on the horse and be an independent creator. I do want to have a special shout out. So I had my birthday recently and uh, Cameron had gotten in touch and you know expressed some appreciation for the stuff that I do. And I want to shout out Cameron's friend group on WhatsApp, who apparently discusses some of these episodes. It's really gratifying and I had no idea you guys did that. Uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, I do this mostly for myself, but also like I'd love to chat with any of you about the topics that I talk about because I think these are interesting things and that's kind of why I highlight them. And to me, it's kind of an experimental new format to do this with because you don't really have a social listening experience around podcasts until you have the ability to share clips where you think, yep, there's a really interesting thing I want to discuss. Um, and also, of course, I guess the, the main thing that keeps everything in common in this feed is just my curation and my taste and my interests. So hopefully you're along for the ride and get something out of that. So relevant to that, Elon and Twitter. Um, I've been avoiding this for a while. I actually decided to tune him out just because it's so noisy and it's so irrelevant to my day-to-day. But today was so big that I could not ignore it. And I just figured I'll just dump all my episodes here on that. So the specific news today has been that the Twitter board has accepted Elon's buyout offer, which is a huge reversal. I did not see this coming. When Elon made his first offer, I thought it wasn't that high from the original stock market price, and I was thinking, like, this is not a serious offer. They're going to turn it down or find a white knight or do whatever it is that boards do to defend themselves, including adopting a poison pill, which somehow is no longer effective. I do think it's pretty interesting that essentially this is the Twitter board and CEO admitting that Elon has knows what to do with Twitter better than they do. Um, then they've been in charge for however long they've been in charge, and that he is substantially right in that he's a better owner of Twitter than they are. And they had the power to say no. They had the power to exercise the poison pill, and they did not. So there must have been a lot of furious discussion around this. So I have three clips that highlight this. So I just wanted to chronicle a little bit of what's going on, right? Because um, some people are out of the loop. I guess if you're near my circles, you're probably not out of the loop. But basically, I you know, I just want to give you the, the high level. Three years ago, five years ago, actually, I think in 2017, someone suggested that Elon buy Twitter, and then he actually jokingly replied how much. But I think that was the origin of the idea in his head. And then a month ago, March 26, Elon started tweeting about his criticism of Twitter and sort of running it from the background. A few weeks ago, he started uh, buying up shares of Twitter, and also there was a bit of drama around joining the board, and then and then he withdraws from the board and then starts going hostile against the board. So that's how chaotic it has been. Um, it was a month since he started tweeting, tweeting criticism about Twitter to actually acquiring Twitter. And so it's been a very, very short month uh, with a lot of trauma and drama. And I just want to document it a little bit in some clips. So the three clips I have picked for you today, one super short, just talking about how Elon decidedly did not want to have Twitter. And then secondly, his rationales for offering Twitter on the day that he offered it. And then finally, some back channel about 
financing, which those people who are interested in private equity and uh, you know what happens in boardrooms behind the scenes, probably you want to stick around for the end bit. So first, let's listen to Elon deny that he wants Twitter. Is there a scenario where you where if you don't see progress being made, I mean, you know, you've got resources that you actually try and take Twitter over at some point? I certainly don't don't want to take Twitter over. I do not want to own Twitter. I want to be clear. I think that would be a recipe for misery, frankly. Um, I will be blamed for everything that goes wrong, um, and it is impossible to satisfy everyone. So it's basically uh, everyone who has any problem with Twitter would then squarely blame me, rightly so, if I owned it. Right. Uh, I don't want to own it. So that was April 7th at the opening of the Tesla Texas Gigafactory. And one week later, April 14th, this is him talking about his offer to buy Twitter. And now, arguably, the biggest visionary of them all, Elon Musk. Hey, Elon, welcome. So, Elon, um, a few hours ago, you made an offer to buy Twitter. Why? <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> Little bird tweeted in my ear or something. I don't know. By the way, have you seen the movie Ted about the bear? I, I, I have. I it's have. a good movie. <laughs> don't mention that here. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, was there a question? <laughs> why, why, why make that offer? Oh, so, um, well, I think it's very important for uh, there to be an inclusive arena for free speech, uh, where all, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square, um, so uh, it, it, it's just really important that people have the, both the, uh, the reality and the perception uh, that they are able to speak freely within the bounds of the law. Um, and, you know, so one of the things that I believe Twitter should do is open source the algorithm um, and make any changes uh, to people's tweets, you know, if they're emphasized or de-emphasized, uh, that action should be made apparent so you can, anyone can see that that action has been taken. So there's, there's no sort of behind-the-scenes um, manipulation, either algorithmically or manually. Um, yeah. But <clears throat> last week when we spoke, Elon, um, I asked you whether you were thinking of taking over. You said, no way. You said, I, I do not want to own Twitter. It is a recipe for misery. <laughs> everyone will blame me for everything. What on earth changed? No, I think, I think everyone will still blame me for everything. <laughs> Yeah. If, it, something, if, if I acquire a Twitter and something goes wrong, it's my fault, 100%. <laughs> I, I think there will be quite a few errors, uh, yes. Um, it will, it but, will be miserable, but you still want to do it. Why? I mean, I hope it's not too miserable, uh, but um, I, I, I just think it's important to the fun... Like, uh, it's, it's important to the fun function of democracy. Um, it's important to the function of... Uh, the United States uh, as, as a free country and many other countries and to help, actually to help freedom in the world uh, so, more broadly than the US. Um, so, and so I, I think it's, uh, it, it's a, 
you know, I think there's, there's the, the risk, civilizational risk uh, is decreased if Twitter, the, the more we can increase the trust of Twitter as a public platform. And so I, I do think this will be somewhat painful, and I'm not sure that I will actually be able to, to acquire it. Um, and I should also say the, the intent is, is to uh, retain as many shareholders as is allowed by the law in a private company, which I think is around 2,000 or so. So we'll, it's, it's not like a, a, it's definitely not, not from the standpoint of let me figure out how to monopolize or maximize my ownership of Twitter, uh, but we'll try to bring along as many shareholders as, we, right. as we're allowed to. You don't um, necessarily want to pay out 40 or whatever it is billion dollars in cash. You'd, you'd like them to come, come with you in, in, in the yeah, new but it's, it's, I mean. I mean, I could technically afford it. Um, I, I heard that. I heard that. Um, but 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 it's. But I'm, what I'm saying is, this is this is this is uh, this is not a, a, a way to sort of make money. You know, I think this is. It's just that I think this is. Um, this could. My my strong intuitive sense is that uh, having a public platform that is maximally trusted um, and 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 and. and, and broadly inclusive um, is extremely important to the future of civilization. But you've, um, you've described I, yourself. I, I don't care about the economics at all. You, okay, that's, that's cool to hear. You, it, this is not about the economics. It, it's for the, the, the moral good that you think it will achieve. You're, you've described yourself, Elon, as a free speech absolutist. But does that mean that there's literally nothing that people can't say and it's okay? Well, I, I, I think... Uh, Obviously, uh, Twitter or any forum is bound by the laws of the country that it operates in. Um, so, to, obviously, there, there are some limitations on free speech uh, in, in the U.S. And, and of course, uh, Twitter would have to abide by those uh, right. rules. So, so, so you can't incite people to violence, like the, the, yeah. the, the, the like a, di a direct incitement to violence. You know, you can't do the equivalent of crying fire in a, in a movie theater, for example. No, that would be a crime. Yeah. <laughs> right. I pretty, it should be a crime. But, but here's, here's the challenge, is, is that it's, it's such a nuanced difference between different things. So there's, <clears throat> there's incitement to violence. Yeah. That's a no if it's illegal. Um, there's hate speech, which some forms of hate speech are fine. You know, I hate spinach. Um, I mean, if it's uh, sautéed in a, you know... Cream sauce, it can be quite nice. But, so, so, <laughs> but, the, but the problem is, so, 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 so let's say someone says, okay, here's one tweet, I hate Politician X. Yeah. Next tweet is, I wish Politan Politician X wasn't alive, as we, some of us have said about Putin right now, for example. So that's legitimate speech. Another tweet is, I wish Politician X wasn't alive, with a picture of their head, with a gun sight over it, or that plus their address. I mean, at some point, someone has to make a decision as to which of those is not okay. Can an algorithm do that? Or surely you need human judgment at some point? No, I think, the, like I said, we're, we're, in, in my view, uh, Twitter should um, match the laws of the, of the country of, and, and, and really, you know, that, that, there's an obligation to, to do that. Um, uh, but going beyond, going beyond that um, and having it be unclear who's making what changes to, who, to, to where, uh, having tweets sort of mysteriously be promoted and demoted with no insight into what's going on, 
uh, having a black box algorithm uh, promote some things and other, not, not other things. I think this can be quite dangerous. So, so, so the idea of opening the algorithm is, is a huge deal, and I think many yeah. people would, would welcome that, of, of understanding exactly how it's making the decision. And, and crit critique it. And critique like, it. Like, like, Improve what, it. What, what yeah. I mean is, like, like I think like the, the code should be on GitHub, you know? So, then, uh, and, and so people can look through it and say, like, uh, I see a problem here. I don't, I don't agree with this. Um, they can highlight issues. Right. Um, suggest changes in, in the same way that you sort of update Linux or, or Signal or something like that, you know? But as, as um, I understand it, at, yeah. like at, at some point right now, the, what the algorithm would do is it would look at, for example, how many people have flagged a tweet as obnoxious. Um, and then at some point, a human has to look at it and make, make a decision as to does this cross the line or not. But, but the algorithm itself can't, I don't think yet, um, tell the difference between legal and okay and, and, and definitely obnoxious. And so the, the question is, which humans, you know, make, make that call? I mean, do you have, do you have a picture of, of that? Right now, Twitter and Facebook and others, you know, they've hired thousands of people to try to help make wise decisions. And the trouble is that no one can agree on, on what is wise. How do you solve that? Well, I, I, I think we, we would want to err on this, if, if in doubt, uh, let 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 the speech let let it exist. Uh, it would have to, you know if, if it's a you know a, a gray area. I would say let let the let the tweet exist. Um, but obviously you, you know in in a case where there's perhaps uh, a lot of controversy uh, that you would not want to necessarily promote that tweet. If uh, you know so the I'm not I'm, I'm not saying this is that I have all the answers here, um, but. I, I do think that we want to be just very reluctant to delete things and, and have um, just just be very cautious with with, with permanent bans. Uh, you know, timeouts I think are better or, uh, than, than than sort of permanent bans. And um, uh, but just just in general, like I said, how, how it won't be perfect, but I think we want it to really uh, have. Like I so said, the perception and reality that speech is as free as reasonably possible, and a good sign as to whether so there is free speech is uh, is is someone you don't like allowed to say something you don't like, and if that is the case, then we have free speech. And it's it's damn annoying when someone you don't like says something you don't like. That is a sign of a healthy, functioning, uh, free speech situation. So I think many people would agree with that. And looking at the reaction online, many people are excited by you coming in and the changes you're proposing. Some others are, are absolutely horrified. Here's how they would see it. They would say, wait a sec, we agree that, that Twitter is an incredibly important town square. It is, a, it is you know, where the world exchanges opinion about life and death matters. How on earth could it be owned by the world's richest person? That can't be right. So how, how do you, I mean, what's the response there? Is there any way that you can distance yourself from the actual decision-making that matters on content at, 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 in some very clear way that is convincing to people? Well, like I said, I think the, it's, it's very important that, that like the, the, the algorithm be open-sourced and that any manual uh, adjustments be uh, identified. Like, so if, this tweet, if somebody did something to a tweet, it's, there's information attached to it that, this, that action was taken. 
And I, 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 I won't personally be, uh, you know, in there editing tweets. Um, so, but, but you'll know if something was done to, to promote, demote, or otherwise affect uh, a, a tweet. Um, you know, as for media sort of ownership, I mean, you've got, you know, um, Mark Zuckerberg owning Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp, um, and with an, a share ownership structure that will uh, have Mark Zuckerberg the 14th still uh, controlling those uh, entities. Mm. Um, so, um, like, literally. Um, <laughs> Well, certainly the, we the, won't have that at Twitter. The, the, if, if you commit to opening up the algorithm, that, that definitely gives some level of confidence. So both the clips I just shared with you are excerpts from TED interviews that he did with Chris Anderson. Probably recommend checking out some of those if you're interested in the non-Twitter parts of Elon's life. But unfortunately, it's just all that people want to talk about these days. Um, I think it's interesting... There was a little bit of interesting discussion around how he secured funding, and there's not that much discussion in the mainstream media about it because no people aren't really interested in funding. They just kind of assume that he can handle it. But I really like this discussion from the Three Cartoon Avatars podcast about the funding. And it's the kind of discussion that you don't really get until you're steeped in finance and, quite frankly, more concerned about the inner dealings about something that you can never be involved in. Um, Let's just have a good listen. He's a, he's an entrepreneur. He's got like an ultra concentrated stake in Tesla, which if you look at its actual earnings potential, when you get rid of those like government credits for electric vehicles, doesn't look as great. He's a very sharp guy. And he knows like, it would be nice to have an excuse to cash 40 or $50 billion of my stake out. But if I'm going to do that, like Tesla shareholders are going to ask what is going on. And so if you create a nice little smoke screen that gives you a logical reason as to like why you should shell $50 billion of your stake, it's a pretty sweet deal. It's a great, like, I don't think he really cares about buying this company or not, but it's a really good way to say, you know what, I'm selling my share to make this bid look more real. Dan, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, I mean, Tesla stock was down about what, three and a half percent today or something like that, because there's obviously some concern about it. I, I will say the only disagreement I have with Zach is I, I think he cares I don't know if he cares about buying Twitter per se. I think he legitimately cares about his view of free speech and social media. I think that's something that actually does animate him. I don't think he has thought through what any of that really means. And, I, and I'll also add, I don't think Chris Anderson really pressed him in a good way on that particular, you know, the, the, you know, the word Chris kept using was obnoxious tweets. The word harassment never came up uh, in that conversation. Uh, I, I think he does care about it. I think it's fun and sexy and candidly, very, very rich people have always liked having a way to, you know, to control, if not America's discourse, at least the, the terms of that discourse. And I think there's no com country or company in America that's more important to the, to the discourse or maybe the global discourse or even the, the practical application of politics, like the way politicians communicate with voters. I mean, to be clear, I think he wants to own it. Like, there's no question he wants to own it. It's a great place to park $50 billion. I think there's this like beautiful secondary benefit of uh, diversification for somebody who's got, what, 20 some odd percent of one of the most overvalued companies in the world. Not that Tesla is, is a bad company. by Plus SpaceX. Great, yeah. Great, great business. Right. But is it worth a trillion dollars? Like, no, probably not. I think he's well aware. He was the one saying it was overvalued about, I don't know, 500 percent ago. So, you know, this is a great opportunity. I love it. I think the whole thing is phenomenal. I kudos to him for just like deciding to do this probably yesterday uh, and having a bid today.
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the whole thing, like the whole process and how this came to be. Someone said this is sort of the problem with with Elon. And I was listening earlier, Dan, you were moderating a Twitter space. And it's similar to Donald Trump in a lot of ways of like, do you take him at his word in a very literal sense or how much of this is uh, like eight, eight moves ahead chess? And you sort of oscillate back and forth between what's just impulsive, childlike, you know, uh, whatever mindset versus what's actually a strategic game here. And I feel like the Occam's razor here is that he just he kind of wants to own it and maybe he can. And so he made an impulsive decision, talked to a banker and said, fuck it, let's do it. The interesting angle, which I don't we talked a little bit about before we got on this, but the Silver Lake angle in all of this is interesting, right? Because. Uh, so, so, uh, William Morris or Endeavor, uh, was a shared board seat between Egon Durbin and Elon Musk, right? It was funny when the, uh, funding secured thing, Silver Lake never offered up any financing itself, but they were advising Elon, quote unquote, on that whole process. And so it's pretty clear these, these guys are close. Now, they made an investment in Twitter. What was it? Eight, 18 months ago, a year ago to, uh, along with Elliot, right? Along with Elliot. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, so now Egon like is both in the boardroom, but presumably pretty close with Elon. And so I wonder, like, is it possible there's a fox in the hen house there that's actually influencing this from the inside saying, hey, Elon, you might as well do it. Or again, back to your Jack Dorsey thing. It's hard to know who's on what side in this sort of Game of Thrones battle that's going on. Well, right. Jack obviously probably views Egon Durbin of Silver Lake as, as you know, one of the, the Kingslayers, right? One of the people who came in and stabbed him in the back. That's it. You know, this goes back to the as the day progressed, right? We did the Twitter spaces about 11, a, about an hour before Elon did the thing at TED. And <laughs> the problem is, you know, Egon represents a private equity firm and a private equity firm, among, you know, above all else, wants to create returns for its investors. It's a financial instrument that that is what it is. And Egon is that right. He's not a he might be a vision guy to a certain extent, but ultimately he's a financier, a financier. Elon has said he doesn't care about the finances. Elon, you know, one of the issues here, which, you know, Elon didn't raise and didn't get brought up really at TED. There was a lot of talk about edit buttons and, you know, would you de-platform or platform people? Twitter is an ad business. Now, you could come up with another business for it, but he hasn't. He hasn't said, we're going to replace ads with subscriptions and here's why I think that'll work. Either way, Egon and Silver Lake would have to be in on the financial vision because, as I said, Silver Lake's a private equity firm at some point. They would have to get their money back. Either Elon would buy it from them at a profit. They'd bring it again public and thus it must be worth more or there'd be someone else to buy it, which again is antitrust problems. So like if Silver Lake's involved, they must know something that Elon hasn't shared publicly. And by the way, they might. And that's what's interesting is when Silver Lake obviously did the big Dell deal and it was Michael Dell and Egon Durbin and they were talking all that through. It was just accelerating the path that they were already on. Right. This would be kind of a wholesale change going from an advertising focused business to a subscription business. And some of this stuff is in the work like they have Twitter blue and, you know, the subscription business that now they're charging for TweetDeck and all that. But I mean, going from whatever, 10 percent of revenue and knocking out another 90%, it just doesn't feel practical that that it's going to happen. And so clearly, if this is like a utilitarian or like a uh, an idealistic move by Elon for a social good, that's not going to align to your point with a, a, a very literal it, private equity firm. It, it would also be hypocritical for Silver Lake uh, because when Silver Lake took Dell private, they did that in partnership with Michael Dell. And, I, and if you remember this, Blackstone tried to get in and buy it instead. And all the words that came out of Silver Lake was, wow, look at this, a pri you know, Private equity now is supposed to work with management. We're not supposed to, we're not the you know, barbarians of the gates. We're not corporate raiders anymore. Look what Blackstone's doing. They're going against management. They're, well, that would be in this case what Silver Lake would do if it teamed with Elon. This is a hostile bid. 
Yeah, and it's closer to being Carl Icahn as well. I mean, literally, it's like closer to being the person that's agitating for change, right? Against the founders. Against the management as a whole, yeah. Do you really think he has a plan? Like, he doesn't have a plan. Elon? Yeah, of course he doesn't have a plan. He doesn't understand software and advertising businesses. He doesn't understand subscription businesses. He's a visionary hardware guy. But at the end of the day, I think he just kind of sees like a bunch of lazy people who don't show up to the office and thinks he can make them show up to the office and produce better work. Like it's, I don't think it's more complicated than that. He views them as inefficient and they are. It's a fairly inefficient organization because Jack kind of let it run that way for a long time. And the new CEO has got a lot of cleaning up to do. It's hard to unwind that. The uh, Three Clips podcast has been pretty good, actually. I would say it's kind of like the baby all-in podcast, if people are interested in that sort of thing. A lot of tech bros, a lot of Jewish white men, I guess, um, but still pretty good, entertaining discussion about finance and tech. That's all I've got about Elon and Twitter and whatever. If you have better discussions and clips, just send them along. You know how to find me. You know how my email works and all that. Uh, but otherwise, this is the reboot of the Swix mixtape. Let's keep it going.